sophomore year of high school, I did the drama club's Alice in Wonderland play. And so I wrote and directed a scene in that and kind of just like hung around. Like they didn't need me there to the same degree that like, you know, they needed people who acted in it. But I met Britt through that and I might've had a seminar with Britt also, but I don't recall. Um, But like, yeah, in an environment of mostly white people, I take notice and remember people of color. Unlike Amanda, I wasn't lucky enough to have actually met Britt in high school. Like, I want to say we took AP photo together and there was absolutely no interaction. But just kind of being aware of Brett was one of the most special parts of high school for me. From what I could see in the hallways, Brett was cool and artsy and he wrote poetry and seemed just really happy in himself. And that that was even possible just made all of the difference. Were you aware of the significance of that in high school? Like what that was? Um, I actually think about this a lot because I think about like how people who are my age sort of relate to queerness. Because like I think we grew up in a time that, I mean, like depending on where you were and where you were, like those conversations were just in such different places. And I think I came into high school after having like a very queer middle school experience because I was um, pretty masculine looking. Like I think no one was like, that's a straight person Um, because I was always sort of like a tomboy and that like never really stopped. Um, And then I kind of came out in like the sixth grade um, because I was really lucky that I spent a lot of time with older kids in middle school who were like, obsessed with musical theater and like obviously we're all queer (laughs) even if they didn't say it or name it but I was like hanging out with like emo kids and like theater kids so queerness was like always a part of my growing up and then um when I got into high school it just like I felt like I didn't have to like hide anything or like even announce anything because I one thought I was very visibly queer so I didn't think anyone was like is that a straight person um so for me, I, I think, like, that gave me a lot of confidence because I didn't have to, like, hide anything or or do that process. So what was your high school experience like? Um, my parents lived, moved to the suburbs when yeah. I was in high school, which from Peyton, uh, I was commuting from Frankfurt, Illinois, which is, like, by Tinley Park. Yeah. I was doing that, like, ju- half of junior year and all of senior year. Okay, that's really rude. I'm so sorry. It was ridiculous. My mom was driving, and she was like, I remember when I used to drive you here sometimes. And I was like, no, you never drove me. I took the metro metro. onto the red line every day. Um, Yeah, it sucked. The first half of my high school experience is so different from the second half because I moved. Um, Like, I remember that my freshman year and my sophomore year, it was really easy to, like, hang out with people and, like, do things after school and, like, have friends. But then once I had to commute for, like, three hours every day, I was like, oh, I can't. I can't do this anymore. Um, I definitely, like, quit playing sports. I played basketball at Peyton for, like, all, mostly all four years. But the last, I think, year, I was like, I can't. I cannot get out of practice at 5 o'clock. I will get home at 8 p.m. And I cannot do that. Um but yeah, it was, like, good, I guess. 
Yeah, high school was good. Yeah. I felt lucky that, like, I always, I think I always had, like, a group of friends that, even though it was, like, constantly changing, like, there were some people that, like, I'm not as close to anymore, but, like, were kind of consistent throughout all four years, which was kind of nice. Yeah. And I think, like, Peyton feels very, like, stereotypical in the way where, like, my closest confidants were, like, the art teacher, uh, the English teacher, the drama teacher, um, where I, I really leaned into that in senior year because senior year, I didn't take any classes. I, like, I was taking two online classes, drama, which I had taken before, like, two art class. I, like, wasn't taking anything <laughs> serious. Uh, I wasn't taking, like, any math, any reading, none of that. No history, nothing. Um, so I just remember, like, spending a lot of time with teachers my senior year, which was, like, fantastic. Um, which I think is, like, how I got really involved in, like, slam poetry stuff. And, like, I did a play my senior year, which was very random. Um, and, like, did more art stuff because I was just, like, hanging out with these teachers. They were, like, because I didn't have anything else to do because everyone was doing homework or, like, being in classes that requires them to study. And I was like, I need to paint another picture right now. I need to build another sculpture, <laughs> which was great. Really figured out a way to make Peyton work for me. <laughs> yeah, that's an incredible finesse. Like, now that I think about it, AP Photo was probably a part of Brit's like senior year finesse, which might explain why I remember his like daily Mark Zuckerberger level uniform so clearly. I cannot remember what they would say, but I know, yeah, it was, like, black pants, and then I think black fans, mm. and then, like, a graphic tee that was normally black with white, and then a dark gray kind of, like, long cardigan. Is that yes. is that right? Wow. On the money! <laughs> I was obsessed with Zoomies. Ooh, okay, I was, was going to ask. Especially because, like, when my family moved to the suburbs, I was really close to Orland Mall, so I would go in there and go nuts. I was like, Hot Topic, Zoomies, Spencers. Um, I had a lot of graphic tees. I was very influenced by Lil Wayne mm. um, when he was doing like, his rocker thing. Oh, I was also very influenced by, like, whatever girl I liked at the time, and I would sort of, like, kind of match to their style. Um, I remember there was this older girl that I was, like, really into— and she was very much into, like, um, like Jordans and stuff like that. So I literally got rid of all my skate shoes and started wearing Jordans. And it wasn't me. I had a huge Jordan. You know those, like, belt buckles you get at the mall? No. I had a... Good. <laughs> <laughs> they were, like, fake bedazzled buckles that, like, would spin or move. Good. I'm glad you're not in that era. Good. They moved, like, car rims? Yes. Oh, no. I had, like, a Spreewell belt that had a Jordan logo on it. And I was just like, well... This girl likes Jordans. I'm going to do that. Um, and I feel like I didn't really, like, come into my own style until I, like, got into college. Because I was mostly dressing for whatever thing who, a person I wanted to date was into. <laughs> yeah. Which is a bad thing. Don't do that. <laughs> it's, like, not good. Uh, which I think is why I dressed bad for so long. Uh, <laughs> but, yes, that was my go-to look. <laughs> Let's try to be try to be cool. <laughs> That's amazing. And along with his almost unshakable sense of style was an iconic bun that has truly stood the test of time. I used to have two pigtails that my mom would do huge braids every day, which I still I don't know how to braid hair, so I couldn't recreate it. So it just sort of became like a problem in my house because I was like, Mom, I need to go to school, but you need to do my hair. 
So we have to come up with a new solution. Um, so I would say in sixth grade, I started to just wear it back because that was the only thing I knew how to do was like brush it back and put it in a ponytail, which is my skill le- level now. <laughs> um, so yeah, I've been wearing wearing that. And then until I got the Rihanna cut, it sort of stayed as the low bun. And now it just sort of is coming up because I have the side <laughs> it's shape. But it's the same. It's the same. I have the same. We're going to pause here because, of course, of course, of course, of course, Britt and I both got Rihanna-inspired pixies in the 2010s, as many queers did. So we're just going to lean into the Rihanna appreciation podcast that this was always meant to be. But in all seriousness, I don't think enough can be said about how Rihanna's pixie gave Black queer folk a little space to safely express some sort of divergence. But Rihanna's pixie was very femme. And so in Britt's case, it wasn't necessarily like the end goal he was going for. It was honestly a conflict with my mom and me. So my mom took me to Paul Mitchell here in Chicago. Mm -hmm. At one point, I wanted to cut my hair. I was like, I really, I obviously wanted like a more masculine haircut, but I could not tell my mom that at the time. So like... I think I I ended up with, like, a picture of Rihanna where she had, like, the shaved sides and, like, the kind of hair going forward, which I realize now was not—that's not my hair texture, so I shouldn't have—we shouldn't have thought that that would work. So I got the sides cut, which are still what's happening now, and it just kind of was, like, forward, but then it was just too much hair. So, like, I had to wear a hat or else it would be, like, straight up. Yeah. It just looked so— I don't know what we were doing. The people at Paul Mitchell need their ass beat because, like, that obviously looked bad and did not look like the picture. It looked so bad. And I also dyed it red, which was, I don't know. I was like, my mom won't let me cut my hair short unless I, like, do stuff to, like, femme it up. So I, like, dyed it red and was like, my reference is Brianna. But that's not what I wanted. I wanted Miguel's haircut from from when he came out with, like, a Dorn. I wanted that. Yes. And that's not what I got (laughs) Is that still a possibility, or are, are we just leaving all cuts alone now? I feel like I would need a perm. Yeah. And I don't think I'm going to get a perm. I understand that. Yeah. yeah it's we, like, those are straight. Those are if you have straight hair. Yeah. And that is my problem, is that I don't have straight hair. Yeah. <laughs> I have curly hair. So I'm, I've honestly been wearing, I think since 2016? No, before that. I've been wearing this, like, top knot for, like, the longest. Yeah. And I recently, like... I would say, like, last summer, started to, like, wear it down because I realized that the reason why it didn't look good down is because I never got it cut to look good that way. (laughs) Like, my partner was like, your hair looks bad down because you've never cut your hair for that. Yeah. So I did that. Yeah. And now I wear it down sometimes. That's amazing. You went to a non-Paul Mitchell. I went to a non-Paul Mitchell. I found a place in Bed-Stuy that does a great job. I was just like, I can't. I need someone that's, like, a barber who can shave the sides, mm-hmm. but also who can deal with curly hair. Because when I go yeah. to the barbershops, they're like, I'm not. I'm not going to cut your curls. Yeah. And then when I go to a salon, they're like, I cannot give you a fade. Yeah. So that I finally found a place that was. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, is it okay if I ask a little bit about your partner? I saw yeah. that they have curly hair in a different format. Yes, yes. And so I find it so wonderful <laughs> that they informed you of the yes. haircutting that was needed. Like, how did you meet? All yeah. that good stuff. Um, I've been with my partner, Winnie, for almost 10 years. Um, we met in college. She was a senior and I was a sophomore. 
Um, and we met at a party that is, was called Dyke Party at the time. Um, I, don't, I think it's called something different now. But I used to be the organizer of those parties because I lived in the Women's Awareness House. Not action, just aware that women exist. Just know it. Just, they just know. We just know. Um, <laughs> I lived in that house, so I was in charge of hosting those parties. Um, and I met her at those. And she, I say this all the time, but like, she, her haircut has not changed in kind of her whole life. Um, but she has like big curly hair. And we honestly have the same exact curl pattern. I just don't do anything to it. And she has to do something every day. Um, so she's been like really helpful, even though she is white, is very helpful <laughs> telling me what to what to do. She's the one who taught me, um, this is very embarrassing, but she taught me the like lock method, the oil. Yeah. That, I did not know that at all, which is very shameful. Uh, <laughs> and she was like, you should try that. Maybe that will help you. Before I would just, I would dry brush it back. I would, sim- oh. when I was in middle school yeah. and in high school, I would simply dip my hair. I would wake up. I didn't wrap my hair or do anything at night. I would wake up. My hair would be literally humongous. I would take a very harsh brush, dip it in water, just brush the front back, and then put it in front of yourself. Wouldn't even do it all the way. So which is why the back was always big and dry, and the front was always glued to my head. <laughs> and that's all I did. Water for <laughs> years. I was certain there was like eco-styler in the mix. Nope. That's... I didn't know what any of... I just started using gel like this summer. Yeah, that's in part impressive, though. <laughs> like, <laughs> I I saw Karen effort. Nope. Just straight water. Just... <laughs> I, like, can't believe I would, like, go to basketball practice and then, like, come home and it would not have moved. Yeah. Like, that was concerning. <laughs> Should have had a little more life to it. But it's honestly probably all split ends at that point. <laughs> So after four years of split ends, which is another fucking perfect reason to cut off your hair if you need one, there's the Rihanna cut. But eventually he recovers, the bun is back, it's moving north, and he channels all of the poetic energy that he had in high school and puts that into the more parentally acceptable career path of filmmaking. My first film that I made in 20. 15 is called Transience. It's a film about me trying to make my senior thesis while realizing that I was trans. So I was living in Boston, uh, working at an advertising internship for the summer. And I was like feeling really bad. And I like kind of couldn't place and I couldn't figure it out. At the same time, I was sort of prepping for my senior thesis. So I was like writing this script about this boy who goes to an airport after graduation, he meets this person, and he kind of has, like, a, a a reaction to that, and it sort of changes him going forward. But, like, the script did not make any sense, and my professor was like, what, what is happening here? Like, what is this change? What are you, what are you referencing? And she kept asking me, because she literally was like, I want to help you pass, so, like, this script needs to have, like, a why to it, and I couldn't name it, I couldn't name it. I, against her advice, shot the movie anyway, in the Minneapolis-St. Paul airport without knowing the why. Shot it, went to the edit room, and was like, this is horrible. Um, And while I was sort of realizing it was horrible, I was like kind of figuring out this language, and I told my mom that I thought that I might like be trans. and, And I, so I sort of made this movie that was about this like failure of me trying to make this movie 
while like, make this narrative movie. So um, that movie is like my first like super personal thing because it has like recordings of my me and my mom's conversations, footage of this like vacation we went on, footage of the original like failed bad movie, um, some like slam poetry elements because I was like, I guess I'll write a poem because I don't know what to do. Um, and that that movie sort of like set up this thing that I'm still exploring, which is like these acts of, of vulnerability that are like specifically tied to queerness because there's a lot of um, value in like what questioning your yourself, your beliefs, questioning like who you are, how that can just bring out things that are really beautiful. beautiful. Which at its core is kind of what this whole process has meant to me. Mind you, I hadn't kept up with Brett after he graduated from high school. Amanda literally had to lurk my way into his DMs. So to me, the fact that I still somehow kind of followed in his footsteps is really special. Britt's been making films about these queer vulnerabilities ever since, including the highly favored Across Beyond and Over, a film in which Britt and his ex Ryan essentially spend a weekend hashing out their breakup from middle school. Uh, Am I real already? Is it okay if I sit here? Sure. Thanks. How's your first day going? It's fine. Okay. I just don't really know anyone. I'll introduce you. Both Ryan and I sort of identified really early that, like, well, we may not, like, be into each other, but, like, we are we are the same. So, like, let's try this thing. Um, and I feel like it was, it's one of those relationships that, like, to me, felt like just, like, a really close friendship. Like, it was, like, Ryan was, like, kind of the first person whose house I went over in, like, Beverly, which I was, like, I don't know what that area is. Um, and it was just really close. Like, we met each other's parents, which, like, most of my friends had never met my parents because usually my friends did not live anywhere near us. Um, so it was just, like, a, yeah, like, a sweet relationship. And we both played sports. So, like, we were kind of always together. Like, we played softball together. We played basketball. We played soccer. Every single sport. Um, so it was very close. But um, in, and this is sort of the crux of the the movie that we made, um, in eighth grade, Ryan cut off all of his hair and other people started saying that like Ryan looked like a boy and were being sort of like middle school mean. And that made me so nervous that as soon as I saw Ryan, I broke up with him immediately. Um, and then we never kind of spoke again. And that is why, I, and then like years later, after college, I was on Instagram and I was scrolling I was looking at hashtag F to M fitness because I <laughs> am a trans man who loves fitness. And I was looking at this hashtag and I saw someone who looked really familiar. And I was like, is that my middle school ex? <laughs> and it was. So I decided to follow him and I DM'd him and I was like, hey, I don't know if you remember me, but like, it's super cool to see your journey on Instagram. Like, hope you're doing well. And he responded back and was like, really, really nice and positive. And I was like, don't know why I was so stressed out because I had all this guilt from middle school. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's, like, this, it was this, like, very sort of, like, innocent relationship that didn't have a lot of, like, language to describe what was happening, but was really impactful because we both recognize each other as, like, sort of the first queer people we knew, the first trans people that we, like, really 
connected with, um, even before we had language to like describe that. I'm not going to spoil the film. You should go watch it. But I will say that the lesson in forgiving yourself and others within reason, of course, I am a Pisces after all, and I will carry some shit until the day I fucking die. But overall, I suppose I see how in some cases making it to the other side of that forgiveness can open the doors for something even better than before with Instagram and time. I hold a really special place in my heart for my relationship with Ryan because it was so, it was cute. And I now have even more fondness for it because like we're back in each other's lives as adults and like he's married, I'm married and like, yeah. And it's just like, we both sort of recognize like the importance of of that like seventh grade relationship, (laughs) which is, I don't know. If anyone uh, wants to reconnect with their middle school ex, I highly encourage it. It's very therapeutic. Oh, I will. <laughs> Reconnect with an ex. I'm not I'm not going as far back as middle school. We're leaving that alone. I'm Shantae and this is Edges. Edges is hosted, written, and produced by me. And for DCP Entertainment, our senior producers are Adele Coleman and Ryan Woodhall. If you like today's episode, please direct your money to Pocket Change Pools, spelled in all the ways you'd expect. You can find their link tree in the episode notes below. A special thanks to Britt for being my absolute high school idol and for letting us use a clip of A Cross Beyond and Over for this episode. You can find a link to the full film in the episode notes and check out more of Britt's incredible work on Vimeo. And for the second week in a row, I have to shout out Amanda, 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 Ball for now having made two episodes of this eight-part series possible. Truly doing the Lord's work. And by the Lord's, I mean mine. So yes, that's the timeline, is that I got it cut right before I went into college because I knew I wanted to, like, be different in college. Yeah, I wanted to be different. (laughs) This is real, this This is me. I have this tattoo that I also got right before I went to college that is very Tumblr, very of the era. It says, realize, realize, realize. (laughs) Yes. It's very, very embarrassing now (laughs) that I have it. Um, But yeah, it's like, I was like, I'm going to be different. I'm going to go into college and I'm going to be cool. Louder than a bomb indeed. Yeah, I was going to be louder than a bomb. It's so, oh, it's so embarrassing, but it is me. It's who I am. <laughs>